startup for startup. Sharing knowledge, experience and insights from one startup to another. Hey again, I'm Danny Lester, a customer experience manager at Monday during the day and the narrator of the show at night. Thanks for joining. Why am I telling you my official title? Well, my title has something to do with this episode. And it's not because this episode is about customer success. It's because this episode is about a certain path to develop in without being a manager. And I, ladies and gentlemen, am on this path. Yes, I recently got promoted. Thank you, thank you. First of all, I want to thank my parents. Nothing would have happened without their support. I remember- Yeah, so whilst my Oscar winning speech plays in the background, since I'll never have the opportunity to read it out loud in LA, I better make things a bit clearer. Our episode today is about a certain path of promotion that is getting more and more attention over the last few years. The individual contributor, also known as IC. What does it mean? And who is it for? Well, usually when we think about promotions, we think about becoming a manager. But there are a lot of issues around this kind of promotion, since, surprise, surprise, managing is not for everyone. Take me, for example. I want to grow in the company, I want to have more responsibilities, but I don't want to manage people. So what options do I have? Not so long ago, I was sure that I'd have to bite the bullet and manage a team of people if I wanted to move forward. And that's why I was so relieved to hear about the IC path I'm in. A path that does make me responsible for more things than before and encourages me to specialize in stuff that I find interesting. Stuff that the company also finds important. But what does it really mean? What does this path include? How can you create one? Why would a company want to adopt this path and how should we, employees and employers, approach this path? Well, I'm glad you asked, and we'll answer it all. But first, story time. Thank you very much. Lawrence Johnston Peter was born in Vancouver in 1919. He was 22 years old when he began his career as a teacher, but it didn't stop him from continuing in the academy. About 20 years after he started teaching, he got the degree of a doctor of education, and it didn't take much time from there until he moved to California, which is where he became a professor. Over the years, Professor Peter didn't focus solely on teaching and soon became not only an educator, but also a higher archeologist. Yep. It's a thing and I didn't make it up. Hierarchaeology is the study of how hierarchies work. Among other things, Professor Peter studied the effect hierarchy has on people and organizations. And it's his research in this field that led him to publish the book that made him famous, The Peter Principle. According to The Peter Principle, a person who's good at their job will get a promotion. In some cases, they'll get another promotion and maybe even another. But eventually, they'll end up being in a role they're lacking the skills for, and they won't get promoted again. Saying that, 
Professor Peter actually stated that an employee will remain stuck in the role they're not good at. Or as he called it, Peter's Plateau. Many years after his death, a study that included 214 firms checked these firms as salespeople. And the results were unequivocal. The best salespeople got promoted. But it turned out, the better the salesperson, the worse they were at managing. The study, conducted by professors from Yale, MIT, and Minnesota, focused on salespeople as their work was the easiest to measure. Tal Haramati experienced exactly that, and not as a salesman. He's a distinguished software engineer at Monday who joined the company in 2014, when it was a very small startup. Two developers, one designer, uh, like really, really small startup. Uh, I joined as a developer immediately after I graduated from school. Uh, my first uh, actual job. And actually, Monday was the... I, I've, I've gotten love in what I'm still doing right now, and I've joined Monday. Like, I really got in love in the fact that we can take ideas into, uh, into reality in such a short time. I was amazed that I'm actually getting paid for that. Like I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying every moment and this is my job. And uh, it was crazy back then. When Tal had just joined, there were two developers and Iran, one of the co-founders, who was also a developer, team lead, and well, you know, he had many hats back then since the startup was so small. Roy, the other co-founder, also helped coding from time to time. They did well. They had quite a few paying customers and every quarter they recruited one or two more developers. Tal thought that it was the natural step for him, leading a bunch of developers in a product he strongly believed in. He was like, I'll do the same things I've done so far, but with more people. That wasn't really the case, though. As the team grew and as the time uh, went by, I felt that I need to put more and more effort in order to be good enough in what I'm doing. And it was uh, not shocking, but I, 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 it, it was uncomfortable for me because uh, I, for a year or two until then, I felt like uh, in every new step that I'm doing, I'm becoming better and I'm ready to the next step. And I, I, I felt like very competent in everything I'm doing. And suddenly I started to feel that I'm not enjoying completely what I'm doing, that I need to invest a lot in order to be mediocre in what I'm doing. That's where I, I, I started to feel that maybe if I will go more and more in that direction, I will find myself at the end not happy. But I, I didn't see a lot of options because uh, I wanted to, to progress. I wanted, it, it's not that I wanted to do the same more and more. I wanted to find how to influence more, how to uh, put myself on the table every day I'm doing and the table became bigger and bigger. And where the, when the table became bigger and bigger, and I said, okay, I need to evolve by myself. I need to find new ways to influence more. Mm -hmm. And the only way I imagined back then was, uh, okay, so now there are five people. I will be in charge of them. So I'm scaring myself. I will do the same. 
but more. We'll stop Tao's story for now because I think we better talk about a specific sentence he said. Can you? I didn't see a lot of options because mm -hmm. uh, I wanted to to progress. I wanted it, it's not that I wanted to do the same more and more. I wanted to find how to influence more. You see, Tal found himself in a catch, like I did before I heard about IC. He wanted to grow, he wanted to have an impact, and he felt like the only way to get it was through a managerial role. For people like Tal and myself, this is a tragedy. And sorry for being dramatic. Fortunately though, companies are starting to realize it and are trying to change it by creating alternative routes to grow in the company without becoming a manager. One of these alternatives is IC. IC means a person is being promoted not in a managerial track, but in a professional track that matters to us as an organization. This is Dr. Dana Perig, a huge fan of Paul Simon and the head of the Organizational Behavior and Development Master's program at the Reichmann University in Herzliya. Besides that, she's also a consultant and she meets clients in her clinic. So she definitely has a wide scope on the work environment. So psychology of work, this is my, uh, this is my field. Alongside Dana, we have Oshrat Binyamin, VP of HR at Monday.com. In general, when we refer to ICs, we speak about people that have the ability to grow professionally without people management perspective. Um, you have the ability to lead a domain or to be responsible for um, some kind of expertise or um, program management or projects management, but um, you are by definition not leading um, people. Whilst it's clear why employees want an IC path, the company has a different angle on that. One of the reasons companies justify the existence of an IC path is the need for different expertise in the company. Besides that, Dr. Dana Pereg raises another point. There are studies about the question what makes people leave their job. And you know, as the song goes, there are 50 ways to leave your lover. So in a way, there are maybe 50 ways and even more to leave your company. And what is interesting that the three main reasons for a, a leaving the companies are the first one, and this is interesting, is career development. People say, I couldn't see any horizons. I couldn't see where can I go from here. I'm doing the same thing for such a long time and there are no other opportunities here. Uh, so I see this whole issue of individual contributor as part of thinking career-wise or having what I'm calling career development mindset in the organization and also within the person himself or herself. And of course, the Peter principle is more than a fair reason for the company to create more career opportunities besides management. In many, by the way, startup and engineering companies, you end up having a, a great engineer who's becoming a not so great manager. Okay, so you, you gave up a great engineer and you got a mediocre manager which was exactly Tal's case. A great developer who's not so good at managing. It took uh, almost two years until I uh, was 
able to say first to myself and afterwards to Roy and Deran. The co-founders. I don't feel I'm at, at the spot. Because um, uh, as I said before, like I felt that even if it's harder and if it, even if I'm not in, as enjoying as I was before, uh, maybe it's just because I'm out of my comfort zone. And uh, that's why I put more and more effort in order to be able to, to cap it, to overcome it. And, and this is why it, it, it took for me so long, because I, I, I used to, to go out of my comfort zone and I know how it feels. And it felt, at the beginning, it felt the same here. But what was different is that the challenges were increasing. And even if I were evolved and uh, became better at what I'm doing, it wasn't in the pace or in the scale that uh, was needed in order to do it very well. Tal got to a point where he felt like it was now or never. He'd had enough. From feeling that he'd found his dream job, he had begun to feel the complete opposite doubting if he worked in the right place for him. It was painful. When I got to that point, I felt that now it's obvious that I need to open the cards with everyone. Because uh, uh, what can I lose? If I will keep not enjoying what I'm, what I'm doing, I won't be here. So uh, what can, wouldn't I try at least? But opening the cards is not easy, neither for the employee or the employer. Dr. Dana Pereg faces these issues quite often in her clinic, and she has some tips to share. I would first really start by uh, thinking or maybe discussing it with uh, friends or colleagues uh, just to see, you know, if there are also opportunities, even not concrete ones. You know, maybe you have a good friend that works uh, shoulder to shoulder and you can speak to him and you trust him. Uh, how does he see you? Maybe he thinks you can be do something else. You know, just hear some uh, feedbacks. Uh, but there is a point where you should uh, approach your uh, direct manager or HR. And I think you should describe first why do you enjoy being in this company? But what do you start to feel? Maybe it's not immediately now, but what do you start to feel and that you want to, to check or to start thinking if there is uh, any options in the future. It's important that people will not feel that they are threatened under a gun, that uh, if he doesn't give you A and B at the moment, then you're going. But really inviting someone and looking for opportunities, trying to see how does he see you? Good bosses can give you, one, a meaningful feedback, he might say, you know, I think you're a great worker, but I'm not sure you're ready yet to go for the managerial track, for example. Okay, There might be a very meaningful conversation also for you to look in the mirror. Uh, they might know something about opportunities or they might know where to check for opportunities. So I think the moment we start to dialogue openly from both sides, it gives the option for much broader picture than what we have started with. This conversation is difficult not only for the employee, obviously, but also for the manager, especially if there's a gap between the employer's will 
and the manager's evaluation of the employee's capabilities and skills. There are people who do not fit to certain jobs or the fit is not optimal. If you, as a manager, you are uh, certain, certain enough that this is the case with this uh, employee, I think you should be honest. I say managers have to be radically honest, really. Don't play and say that. Say that respectfully, say that, you know, find a way to say if you don't know, consult with someone in your firm how to have this hard conversation. If you are not certain, one of the things that could be relevant is to give this person a project within the task he is conducting right now that he will need to master some leadership uh, capabilities. It could be as small as in the coming marketing uh, meeting, I would like you to present or to lead or to bring this conflict up or and to tell this person, you know, we are going to take the coming quarter and I'm going to give you uh, some things to do uh, that will help you and also help me look if that's, you know, an option. After almost two years, Tal went for it. As we already said, it was kind of a crossroad for him. He had to drastically change his role definition or sadly, he'd look for somewhere else to work. Basically, at that point, I came to Rain Rani. Actually, I think it was one of the pivotal days in, in the company for me. And I, I just told them, guys, I really think I'm not doing what I'm expected to do uh, good enough. I think we need to find someone to do that job. I need to, I, I, I'm, I'm here, I will do it as long as we need to. But, uh, but, but in order for me to keep uh, being happy and for the companies to succeed, I think we need to find someone to manage the R&D team. And that's basically when uh, uh, we were looking for an R&D manager. And uh, that's uh, actually a few months later, we hired uh, Daniel, which is the VP R&D product uh, till today. And I think that was, like, if admitting it was uh, one pivotal point, the moment Daniel joined the company was another pivotal point for me because basically his doing his job allowed me to do my job again very well. But what is this job that Tal did very well? He wasn't a manager anymore, but he also wasn't just another developer. Me and Daniel from then until now, now we're actually leading the R&D together. So it wasn't, uh, okay, Daniel, from now you're doing that, I'm doing that. We were co-leading the R&D, and that's exactly what allowed me to, to research and find exactly what is my leadership, like uh, how can I be a leader in that uh, form. There are dozens of uh, things that leading an R&D back then was meaning. We've started basically with doing everything together, and as times went by, I was able to focus on where I was giving the biggest impact. And I, I had the confidence that Daniel will catch everything else. And this basically allowed me to, to, to find uh, how my uh, leadership looks like. 
I think I, I always had a lot of freedom, but freedom doesn't mean that you're doing what you want and uh, that's it. It's the freedom to find and uh, convince everyone else around you that uh, here is a great opportunity. And after you are doing something, to come and say, look how much impact we've got from it. The freedom Tal talks about sounds great, but it leads me to wonder how a company can be sure that the IC path that has just been created doesn't make people have a beautiful title without much behind it. We all know of these impressive titles where it's unclear what stands behind them. Director here, specialist there, whatever. The high-tech world is full of these titles, and Ashrat, our VP of HR, who you've already met, knows the problem. I think that sometimes people create those titles or roles without a, a clear definition of roles and responsibilities. So they decide someone becomes, for example, a tech lead, but it doesn't contain anything. So for the person, the day-to-day -day doesn't really change. It can be um, very frustrating or um, people can really wonder what is, what is it about and become very cynical about it. To avoid having an icy path without much behind it, Oshrat claims the most important thing is to write down what the everyday work looks like. When you come to the planning part, ask what the need is or um, what kind of expertise is missing in my team that I can create or what type of people do I have in my team that can be a good fit to that. Um, and then start to define how the day-to-day -day looks like because, again, sometimes title doesn't really reflect the actionable um, activity of the day-to-day. -day. So make sure that you have a good plan of how the day-to-day -day looks like, um, what the role is about and, and what responsibilities, what the KPIs of this person are and how you're gonna measure that. Um, and then really ask yourself, okay, is it enough? Or should I add more competencies such as the capability of leading people, but again, not from a managerial point of view, but the ability to lead people after you or, or to um, get the buy-in of people or work with others to get more impact. So I think the combination of creating a real sense of responsibilities so the person that you offer the role to can really um, resonate and say, that's the type of role I want to do, but also making sure that you have the personal ability of leading projects or re leading domain, I think the combination should be a good start. The importance of having a structured path became obvious when I was talking to a dear friend of mine, Julia Fagelman, who is an IC in the customer success group at Monday. My name is Julia Fagelman. I'm specifically focused on customer education uh, initiatives, also customer marketing, uh, but more so customer education in the recent period. Julia started her journey in the customer success team around 2017, when there were about five people in the department. As the company grew, Julia started helping in more and more aspects she found interesting. Writing articles, blogs, starting a webinar program, seminars, online courses, and more. The lack of a structured path made Julia's role undefined, and it hurt her efficiency. I think that I, I did get to a point of feeling a little bit like, not overwhelmed, but more feeling that like things were a bit static and it was hard to move anything forward in a really like 
positive and impactful way and be able to really show impact in something specific because I was just maintaining all these things and I don't I am only one person with x amount of time so how can we avoid this kind of situation first as Oshrat said earlier in the episode we must define the company's needs I think that some companies um, get stuck in the place where they start to define the levels of senior ICs and they usually stuck at the first level that says okay that's the equivalent of team leader it's usually a tech leader that's um, maybe not even in, in tech roles but in other departments as well but when they need to move one level up and really understand again what the role is about and the responsibilities and the type of skills or competencies you need to bring to the role then it becomes harder. So I think the fact that we are growing very fast and, and it feels like we have so many things on our plate always makes more opportunities um, for people that we didn't plan um, intentionally. So I think um, when we look on everything we have to do, we can actually create those opportunities. And sometimes, by the way, it's not intentional. To clarify things, let's simulate the process of defining Julia's current role and try to understand how her everyday work might look like. She'll meet the R&D group leads to understand what are the new features and work on a webinar explaining them. She'll collect and analyze data of the self-learning videos, researching and planning content needs for the whole of the customer success group. And the grand finale, creating new academy courses, which is basically the whole self-learning platform. It includes defining the goal, the method of learning, syllabus, and collaborations with writers and video producers. And yep, I wrote it all on a typewriter. You heard right. You can call me a hipster. Creating the path is not enough though. The implementation of it is equally important. I can tell you from my perspective that although I'm glad I get to contribute to our social media and community in my new role, it would be very disappointing to realize that when it comes to decision-making around my field, I'm not invited. It hasn't happened to me just yet, but I know it has happened and still happens to some of us here. There has been some moments where I felt that Monday can be better at making ICs feel on the same level of management, just in terms of certain meetings or even socials or things like that, that I think... There were sometimes occasions where there was calls where I wasn't invited to or meetings that I wasn't invited to. And I do think that that's an area that could be improved is just knowing when is appropriate to include ICs and when is not appropriate. Tal Haramati feels it happens even in the R&D team, where Monday's IC path is the most stable and established of all other departments. For example, the leadership of the R&D is eight or nine group leaders. Each one of them is managing team leaders and the ICs are not part of this forum. So there is a lot of stuff they are not exposed to. And we still, I think, didn't find the parallel forums where we can give them the wide context they need in order to identify later on the places they can go to. So in a lot of places, the group leaders, for example, are uh, expected to give that context to the ICs inside of their groups. It can work much better if we will find a way to walk through the tech leads independently from, uh, from the managers. That is always a challenge because a lot of people don't really understand that 
having an equivalent level of professional AC is, is really equal. Um, so it starts, by the way, with making sure that, again, the, the role definitions are clear. It's making sure that in terms of compensation or benefits, the levels are equal, are equal in terms of, for example, when you look on equity, you provide the same equity to a manager and a tech lead because they share the same level. It also means that you include those people in um, team plans or in strategic conversations and, and really allowing them to take part on the strategic side of the job. Because imagine if you only, um, you get the same benefits, you get the same compensation, but eventually at the end of the day, you feel that you are not included. You feel that you don't have the ability to really share your point of view or even hear what the business unit um, leadership talks about. So I think being part of that really um, demonstrates people that they have the opportunity and, and it's not only um, speaking about it, it's actually living that. In a way, it's also about branding, as Dr. Dana Perig describes it. The company should brand it or treat it as something that is really, uh, it's not the second best. Because there are organizations that being a manager, that's the real thing. And being something else or developing professionally is less uh, considered. So you should find a ways really to brand it internally that this is a way to develop. This is a way that is appreciated. You know, at the end, we cannot all uh, be uh, managers. I saw over the years, like, so many different great implementations of that. And I think they can be very different from each other, but the essence is that there are many ways to excel, there are many ways to lead, and you want and willing to let your people explore and find the way that they can feel they're able to lead uh, the best. Thank you for listening. If you like what you've just heard, hit the follow button. You're also more than welcome to our Facebook community, Startup for Startup UK, where you'll be able to find more content and potential networking. Last but not least is our website, startupforstartup.com, a place that definitely deserves a look. I want to thank Guy Bin Nun, our writer and senior producer, but we're not just the two of us here. Our crew also has the wonderful Adva Shizgal and Daria Wertheim, who are our content editors. Leo Krengel leads the initiative, and Gal Rodity is our mix engineer. I'm Danny Lester, and I'll see you in the next episode. Bye! <laughs>